Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word in Genesis 18. (laughs) They might as well join them, right? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the ways of the Lord and do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Promises made to this man to be kept through his lineage, his children and children's children. So, Father, we thank you for these dads present today. We thank you for the ability they have to put you first. And we affirm they're going to make that choice to honor you and keep you in first place. So as we look at your word and we humble ourselves before your mighty hand, we remember that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God says of Abraham, I know him, and I am beginning a covenant with him. And this covenant will ultimately bring into the human race the Messiah. And I chose him because I know him, and he will command his children to walk in my ways. See, the Father is chosen by divine design. The Creator initiated the pattern and the design for the human family. One man, one woman in covenant, producing lineage and family. And there's more to being a man than being a male. You can be a male and not be a man. You can be married and not be a husband. You can be a breeder and not be a father. Lust breaks covenant. Love makes and keeps covenant. So there's more than being a man than the placement of a zipper on your pants. The male is essential to the family as God has constructed it. Children without the father's godly influence in the home tend to struggle. The father is to lead the family into spiritual life. And in this passage, you're going to see elements of what I'm preaching about today. When you see that a third of American children have been born out of wedlock in our culture, half of America's children will be raised without their biological father in the home. Then this passage becomes very impacting what God told Abraham and says about Abraham and what God sees coming through Abraham, very important to the establishment of strong, healthy families. 25 million children in America do not have a father who is engaged in their lives. Children who have no father who's active in visiting and helping them in their lives. Homes without their fathers being present. It's tragic. There's a child being raised without a strong male influence in their lives. The only thing worse than no father in the home is having a father who's not a godly role model. And then they end up leading their children in misdirection. So Paul put it like this. You might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. There'll be many people in your life coming in and out of your life. You will learn from them, both good and bad, but none can take the place of a godly father. Paul said, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty strong stuff. 
If, I, if a man does not provide and take care of his own family, the word teaches that person is worse than an unbeliever. They're in very dangerous territory because God has charged the man with leading spiritually his home. A man's responsibility begins in the home with his family. The importance of the godly father can't be overstated. The leadership of the father in the home, of utmost importance to God. Fatherhood portends tremendous responsibility. The father is to give spiritual direction, affirmation to the children. You are the priest of your home. I was impacted by my father and his leadership, his care for our family, his honoring of the Lord and the Lord's day and his church. Influence, because we need fathers of spiritual influence. God said, I know Abraham. He will teach and lead his children. He will command them to honor me. They will follow after me as he does. A father, therefore, understands his position, is pivotal in the home. He's responsible to God to lead his, his family. He influences his children. And when a father has prayer with his family, it's like putting a roof on your house. <clears throat> Imagine having the niceties of a home. All the framed-out house, kitchen, bedrooms, everything furnished and everything fashioned and family room and furniture all placed, but no roof over your house. Everything would be ruined in a matter of time. And spiritually speaking, when there's no prayer, no father leading and speaking blessing and prayers over that family, the family is exposed to spiritual influences that are not of God, spiritual entities and powers in high places, the Scripture says. There is an open access when father does not lead his family in the things of the Lord. But when you pray and read the word, albeit only five minutes over your family, you're putting a roof spiritually over your house. It's a covering over your family. The importance of this cannot be overstated. When the father says, we're going to pray, we're going to have devotions together, you're building a spiritual covering over your house. It preserves, it blesses the home. The favor of God then can come on that home. And the benefits of God are realized when you acknowledge God is the Lord of your family. America desperately needs to return to this priority in our homes. This is the root cause of the breakdown of what's going on in our culture. Why there are over a weekend 40 people murdered in a city like Chicago where children are left to run without supervision, joining gangs, starting to participate in the drug culture, picking up weapons illegally and using them because they've been taught little or no value of human life than the importance of what you are as God's creation. So the spiritual roof of protection of prayer over homes because there's this necessity, there's this huge attack on our homes in our culture today. And we see in the Word three secrets of how to bless your children. And dads, incorporate these. Isaac blessed Jacob. And likewise, dad, you are to bless your family. Jacob came to his father asking for blessing. And Isaac received him and and asked Jacob to come closer to him. And these three principles, how a spiritual leader blesses his family. When Jacob came in and said, Father, bless me. I want you to place a blessing on my life. Isaac said, the dad, come to me. And Isaac touched his son. The first blessing you place on your children, meaningful touch. 
There's a spiritual transference when a father will hug his children, kiss his children, meaningful touch. Come closer, he said, so I can touch you. And as children grow older, it might feel like it's no longer a necessity. Well, you know, they're old now. They don't need that. One of the greatest blessings you place on your children, it builds self-confidence. It builds their sense of identity. Hug your children. Don't be the kind of a father who says, well, my dad never hugged me. Break that curse in your family. Because that's not a blessing never to be hugged by your dad. Break it. Life is too short to ignore this simple extension of blessing and love. Some fathers have rarely ever hugged their sons or their daughters. And even if they act like they don't want you to hug them, hug them anyhow. It does something inwardly. Physicians will tell you that. Scientific discovery has told us that. There's a hormone that's released in us that affects us physically. When, when, when a child is hugged, when a loved one is hugged, it boosts their immune system. It builds self-esteem. It alleviates tension. It releases endorphins. In, in, when, when they're uptight and they're bothered by life itself, studies show that IQ development is delayed in children who don't receive hugs. In lack of hugging st- stunts walking, talking, and reading development when there are no hugs in the home. According to a survey taken in America, marriages where hugging and touching are present last longer than those without. And as hugging increases and continues, oxytocin, which is an endorphin that blesses you by lowering your heart rate and lowering your blood pressure, is released. Hugging also reduces cortisol, which is an inflammatory in our blood system, That causes all kinds of issues with our heart and blood pressure and stress. So hugging leads to, I'm reading from scientific data, a healthy heart, lower blood pressure. That's good for those with hypertension. Hugs also lower your heart rate, promoting a calming effect. All out of scientific research. But God tells us in his word, this is a principle we should be living by. Reach out and touch your family. Touch others. There's power in that touch. In care centers, when the clients are gently touched, it has a positive impact on them physiologically, psychologically, physically. Meaningful touch brings bond. And one way of bestowing God's blessing is touching your children. Dad, the blessing begins with hugs and kisses. Because Isaac said to Jacob, his son, come a little closer and kiss me. Isaac kissed his son. His son was in his 20s. Hugging and kissing. Secondly, Isaac spoke a verbal blessing over his son. He began to bless him. You can read it in that chapter, chapter 27 of Genesis. It means to ascribe great value to a person. May God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. He was speaking health over him, wealth over him, provision for his future. So dad, bless your family. Speaking over their lives, blessings and future-oriented favor. You speak to bless them for their future. You acknowledge their gifting. You see what God has placed in them for purpose and look at their abilities and then speak of their successes. Speak your affirmation, belief, 
in the successes of your children. Affirm what God has placed in them. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you their purpose and then speak accordingly over them about their purpose. Let there be a generational transfer of God's purposed blessings in your family. That's what you see with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who later produced Joseph and this great nation called Israel. Twelve tribes. As Paul did with his spiritual son Timothy, you speak a future-oriented blessing. It begins to position the child in that direction. He said, I remind you to fan the flames, the, uh, the spiritual gift God gave you, when I laid my hands on you. So there was a transference, a blessing for that young man's ministry future. Affirm what the Holy Spirit has revealed to you about the great plans that God has for your children. And then impart a blessing as Isaac did to his son. He said, by affirming spiritual blessings in his own lineage from himself that had come from Abraham, now into Isaac, now from Isaac into Jacob, And then he goes on to tell Jacob, all who bless you will be blessed. Passed on what was promised to Abraham is now promised to Jacob. The same blessing which they bless you, they will be blessed back. This young boy, his name was Jack Ellery. He was born with physical challenge due to a severe issue during birth, and he couldn't walk. And so he was confined to a wheelchair right after birth and began to develop. He had to be in a wheelchair. So, But two men in his local church, thank God for godly men who look out for those who may not have the input they need from a godly father. Two men in the local church saw his need and began to pay attention to this young boy when he would come to church. Then they began to make opportunities to go visit this young boy between Sundays and speak blessings and pray for him. In a wheelchair, they affirmed the quality of his voice. And those two Christian men, not knowing where this would lead, this young man ended up becoming a talk show host because they spoke blessing into a challenged young man and affirmed him. They spoke a future-oriented blessing into his life. When you speak future-oriented blessings, you speak power and direction into your children. It's easy to be critical of the behavior of your children at times. But remember to speak positive to them as well. We have to conscientiously plan to speak positive to them, not just default to the negative. Yeah, we have to keep them straight. Yes, we have to keep them focused and directed. But don't forget to speak affirmation. Speak positive, powerful words into your children. Work at becoming positive as you speak to them. And be careful about ever telling your child you're stupid, you're just like your dad, or you're just a dummy. You're saying to them, you need to say to them, you are marked by your creator for greatness. Affirm that in them. Tell your children you have a gift from God, and God has a great plan for your life. Affirm and encourage and speak life into your child. Why? Children value and they need the approval of their father. You are smart. You are sharp. You are quick. You will surpass me. You, are, you have no limits. That's speaking blessing. I was reading this great book that I was able to get. 
just came, just was published just a couple of weeks ago called That's My Dad, Honoring the Fathers Who Shaped Our Lives. I encourage every dad to get a copy of this. And they've got stories of people that you would recognize and the struggles they had and then the, the victories they gained. Daryl Strawberry is one of them. And uh, a man with an uh, amazing record of home runs and hits and RBIs and all kinds of awards, rookie of the year, uh, most valuable player. Uh, Daryl achieved immediate fame as a rookie in his baseball career, but it was his own fear of his dysfunctional background that drove him to succeed as a professional athlete. He was raised by what he describes as a raging alcoholic father. He was born in L.A. in a rough neighborhood. He had no biological dad to raise him. Strawberry said, I encourage all fathers to take your rightful place. If you need help and healing, get, get it done. If you are an absentee father, become present. If you don't know how to be the dad God created you to be, seek out a true man of God and allow him to guide you. We need to raise our children to be strong men and women of God through love, care, discipline, and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. He went through all kinds of struggles because, and he relates to that. He said, I cannot remember a time when my father and me ever had, the father and I ever had a conversation, did anything together, or any advice my father ever gave me. I can't remember one time that ever happened. I had to learn how to be a man on my own. And that caused a lot of struggle, a lot of addictive behavior, a lot of serious mistakes till Jesus was allowed in his life. And he finishes up by saying, how important it is to turn things around if you come out of a dysfunctional family. And see, there's hope. Thank God. Amen? We need to become the fathers God created us to be, raising up strong, loving, successful and God-fearing children who love the Lord and live according to his word, especially in this world we live in today. He said, I cannot stress the importance of the role of a father to his children. What an outstanding statement, making a comeback from an early life without a father to teach him. So dads, fuel your children's self-worth. You don't want to happen to them what happened to Daryl Strawberry for a period of his life. You want them to succeed without that kind of failure. Fuel them with positive words. Lead the way for them in their relationship with God and build them with future speak. Speak about the plans God has for them. That's what blessing, speaking blessing does. Dad, laugh with your children. And while you're doing it, laugh at yourself. My kids gave me plenty of reason to do that. Enjoy your time with them. Plan fun moments. Let them experience your ability to be flexible. Your home is not boot camp. You'll have enough opportunity to correct and discipline, but build fun memories too. And as they mature and display trust, you teach them incremental independence. Grant them some latitude as they display responsibility. If they become irresponsible, you reel them in. If they become more responsible, you let out some of the line. And dad, your role is to keep the moral and spiritual boundaries. That's your responsibility. You make sure those boundaries don't get moved. And don't be as some of these mean-spirited Christians are while raising your children. Angry all the time, mean-spirited. There are some non-essentials we don't need to major on. And your adolescent child might be tempted to go with the flow in our culture and go get a tattoo. You want to speak with them and counsel them not to get caught up in these cultural fads, 
but to respect the temple of God that he gave them to live in and honor that temple that God gave you to live in. She wants a rose tattoo. Where? <laughs> Reminder that that rose today will become a rose bush in a few years, okay? <laughs> and it hurts like whatever to get it removed. So children need a dad to get in their grill once in a while and challenge them. And you remind them, once they're an adult and they're paying fully their own way, then that's their choice. But under my roof, with me paying the bills, it's not going to happen. But don't make majors out of every minor. Give them wise counsel. And not this detached parenting of today that says, whatever makes you happy. That's a cop-out. That shirking responsibility as a father in your home. Not whatever makes you happy, but the boundaries of moral and spiritual principles will be adhered to, not what makes you happy. You take your kids to theme parks. Take them to the ocean. Teach them how to swim. Take them to the, to the zoo. Teach them team sports. If they have an aptitude for the arts and they're musical or vocal, encourage them with instrumentation and giving them lessons, not just going to bouncy-bouncy with them. Play with them. Play games with them. One of my favorites was hide-and-seek. <laughs> Ask him about it. That was, there were some good ones with that. Don't just, just don't sit around watching Christian television talking about the Antichrist and how soon he's going to take over. Okay? Have some fun with that. Okay? A joyful heart is good medicine. Your children's friends will want to come to your house for sleepovers, birthday parties, fun times. This pastor's home, ask my kids, was the center of all fun activity for all our children's friends. They always wanted to come to our house. We have a sleepover. We want to come to your house. Why? Because you're more fun. You're more fun than our parents. They wanted to come to our house. We had joy in our house, laughter in our house. I'd get on the floor. We'd have water gun fights with all of them, all their classmates. I mean, you name it, we did it. Fill up your children's emotional tanks. Back in the day when professional wrestling was clean, so not today, but then. It was a different era where they had a real bad guy and a real good guy and not half-naked people running around. When it was clean, we took our kids. It's not clean. I wouldn't advise you to take your kids. Sorry, I would not do that if it were me today as a parent. We went to all of our kids' sporting events, all of their stage performances, every one of them, but not on the Lord's Day because the culture was not going to dictate the spiritual and moral boundaries of our family. Those are spiritual and moral boundaries, and, Dad, it's on you to keep them. I videoed the rehearsals and the practices. They always looked to see if dad was somewhere in the stands. He was. They will see you in the stands even if they're just sitting on the bench. They'll know you're there. After David returned the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, it was shouting. The Philistines had captured it. He recaptured it, and he's bringing it back to Jerusalem. There's fanfare. There's dancing. There's celebrating. There's cheering. There's shouting and offerings being made to God. And they get to Jerusalem, and they park it back in the tabernacle of the Lord, and everybody celebrates, listen to this, then David returned 
to bless his household. He went back home and blessed all of his family. It's one thing to sense the presence of God in a church service. What would happen if every dad took time daily to bless his house? Dad, we need your blessing in our homes. And if every dad understood, I'm the priest of this home, then you bless your children and you tell them God's hands on your life. It's not adequate to come to church where God's presence manifests. We're to take it back home and bless our home. At the age of 110, Joshua has to stand up and correct people in the nation of Israel. Some of them decided they wanted to serve the gods of the Amorites and other gods. And Joshua stands up one day in front of all of Israel and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What they're teaching in our public schools culturally today, contrary principles to the word of God, party lifestyle, sexual expression of any and all kind, whatever your children's friends get into because it's okay, even in some Christian homes, they have been overwhelmed by the culture and culturalized. You stand up as the dad and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God give us Joshua men who will lead our homes to serve the Lord. So dad, fight for your family, fight for your marriage, fight for your children. In the Olympic Games in Paris in 1924, there was a competitor whose name was Bill Havens. They said he was destined for gold. He was the best in the world at what he did. No one better in the canoe competition than Bill. And so as he's getting ready to leave for the Olympics, his wife is about to give birth to their first child. And his sponsors all said, look, you have to go. You've worked your entire adult life for this moment, and you're going to win gold. I mean, there's no one gets close to you. But he shocked the Olympic committee and his wife and said, I will not be competing. I must be there for the birth of my first child. Well, his son Frank was born on August 1st, 1924. And Bill, because he's human, wondered what it would have been like to have stood there on that podium to the national anthem of the United States of America and have a gold medal hung around your neck. He said, but I never regretted the decision to be there for the birth of my son. So Bill then spent his lifetime pouring into his boy. He shared all of his canoeing skill sets, all of his exercise regimens, everything that he needed to do, spending time helping his son to learn what he had learned. And 28 years passed, and the Olympic Games were being held in Helsinki, Finland. And Frank Havens, Bill's son, qualified to compete. 28 years later, in 1952, Bill receives a cablegram from his son Frank from Finland. In 1952, Olympics were being held there in Helsinki, and the cablegram read, Dad, I won. I'm bringing home the gold medal you lost while waiting for me to be born. What Bill decided was although I might have won Olympic gold, I was still fully committed to my family first. He didn't get to reach that, but by pouring into his son, he saw his son do greater things. Dad, there is no higher calling to be a godly father, and you can succeed at your vocation and fail with your family. So, Dad, bless your children, 
with meaningful touch. Bless your children with spoken blessing. And third, dad, have active commitment with your children. Once you've observed their giftings and purpose, don't stop at saying, well, God bless you. That's all good. Come alongside and assist them in their training and in their development and in their maturation. That's what my father did for me. When I explained to him I had a call to go into full-time service, my dad affirmed my calling. Now, he could have looked at it and said, well, you sure, son, because you know, I built this business. It's yours for the taking. You don't want to go do that. You want to, you want... He said, no, if that's what God's called you to do, I'm going to do everything I have and my ability to make sure that you get whatever training you need, and I'll take care of it. You need to go to college. Where do you want to go? And let's get this education taken care of so you can go do what God called you to do. That's the kind of dad we all ought to be. May God all, this is what Isaac said to, said to, to Jacob. May God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. Dad's abilities and skill sets were planted firmly and deeply into Jacob in herding, in farming, and developing skill sets for great abundant crops, for great wealth to come back to them. And that's the way we ought to treat our children like Isaac took care of his boys. If it's music, get them lessons. If it's a specific sport, get them with a good coach. If it's, it's active commitment, it's saying, I'm going to get in there and be a part of your life by supporting it and making everything I can. Isaac trained his, son, his other son, Esau, in other skill sets, just like he had trained Jacob. And the boys grew, and Esau became a skillful hunter. So these were passed along into the children. Dad, be a spiritual teacher in your family. You have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these, what? These principles, godly living, godly lifestyle. Commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's a continuum God wants. So, Dad, don't fall into the trap of so many fathers who pursue their careers and end up abdicating their spiritual leadership in their homes. Successful in business, failure at leadership in your own home. Paul described this collapse. He said this is what it looks like when those who should have matured and led their families, led in the church, led somewhere in the body of Christ, this is what it looks like when there's a stunting of the growth and a collapse of spiritual development. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. See, it's not chronological. It's spiritual maturity. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. There are people who remain babes their entire chronological life. Because they never dig past the surface. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, they pick this up and they mine in this gold and diamond mine until they pull the nuggets out. Who, who, that is, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So they're able to establish biblical, moral, and spiritual boundaries for their family. Dad, it's not just saying to your children, well, good luck. When you discover their talents, their calling in life, come up under it and support it. Use your contacts. Use the people you've known and met and connected with to help your children step forward along the way. Dad, bless your family. 
bless, enjoy, have fun, teach by word and example, correct. And when you correct, there'll be times you're going to have to correct. There'll be tears as a result of that correction. And that's good because they learn bad behavior is painful. But then there's prayer and asking God to forgive because we stepped over a boundary and we're now sorry and we're repentant. And when they've repented to God, then there's forgiveness from dad because dad wraps his arms around the child who's just repented in prayer and hugs the child and said, and I forgive you too and reestablishes that bond. And you direct and you lead. And most importantly, display the love of your heavenly father. Build a roof over the spiritual house. Be prayerful because there are years, these are years you're never going to get back. Fathers, don't make your children bitter about life. Instead, bring them up in Christian discipline and instruction. Christian discipline, not cultural, Christian. And that is you lead your children in daily devotions, prayer, and speaking to them of Jesus and his love. Don't send them to church. Bring them to church. When they observe your ability to worship God, it begins to imprint them from an early age. And the sooner you start, the better. Man, it wasn't just a few days I was brought to church as a newborn. Imprinted. Knowing, sensing early the presence of the Lord. One of my grandchildren, Pastor Michael and Kirsten's daughter, Mila, was imprinted very early with this. She knew before she was one year of age. She knew what her daddy did and what her papa did, both of us, in her lineage, raising our hands, worshiping, preaching. She knew it before she was one because she observed it and got imprinted. That starts early. Really early. And it doesn't take them very long to figure out what's important, even though they can't process it completely. God's Spirit has a way of continuing lineage, continuing the presence of His of His Spirit, continuing the principles through our family's lineage, because God is into family. God is into lineage. Amen? So that way you have the opportunity while your children are at home. Make the best use of these days. You, you might be so successful at a career and making a certain amount of money, but these years will pass so fast, so quickly. And pray like David did, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be and remind me that my days are numbered. Because those early days of your children in need for you are going to pass before you blink and you can't ever get them back.
So make best use of what God's placed under your care and pour yourself into. Well, I don't have much to give you. I've only been a Christian a little while. Then learn to become a better Christian, a more faithful man, a more committed to the word man. Make the time to pour that back into your kids. That'll pay you dividends for eternity that no bank account will ever give you, no matter how big it is. So let's stand together, everybody. And dads, I want you specifically lift your hands to the Lord and ask him to help you be a godly leader in your home. Dads, lift your hand. And then say these words after me, please. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Come on, out loud. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. We thank you, Father. You're so good to us. These men have lifted their hands to pray a prayer, asking for your faithful blessing, security, power, and strength. Answer that prayer for them, I pray. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we seek your favor. Surround the righteous. In every dimension of their lives, let your favor rest upon their families, upon their health, upon their finances, upon their relationships. May there be restoration, spiritual victory, petitions granted, battles won, because the favor of God is on their lives as they lead their children. And while eyes are closed for just a few more seconds.